Good morning, church. How are you doing? Hope everybody is doing well. My name is Andrew Kappenman, and I'm one of the church planning residents on staff, and I get to bring you the word this morning, and I'm excited. It's, a, it's an exciting time of the year, right? Everybody's getting jazzed up for Christmas. Everybody's ready to get after that. My family celebrated ours a little early this weekend because we'll be going home and we didn't want to take all that stuff with us just to try to bring it back. And so what five, seven, and ten-year-old kid does not enjoy getting to open up their presents early, right? You know, they're ecstatic. And so it is that time of the year, and I hope that everyone is getting excited. During this time, we usually what? We get to go see family. We exchange gifts with one another. We eat some really good food, right? And it's just a time of celebration, this is something that we think of every, every year. But if you kind of look further into it, literally the entire world is counting down the days to a specific date, right? Everybody's looking to December 25th. Many families really walk through this season in the sense of like going through like an advent calendar or like a, a celebrating Christmas calendar with their... Th- with their family, maybe kind of a kid's book, and, um, and that, that word Advent means really coming or, or, or arrival, right? But in my house, we have to constantly remind ourselves, why are we celebrating this season? Like, why are we walking to December 25th? I ask my kids this question all the time. What are we celebrating? Is it being with family? Is it gifts? Is it food? Not that these things are bad by any means, but what are we celebrating together? And so I asked, like, on on Christmas Day, like, what are we celebrating? And a lot of times their first answer is, it's Ollie's birthday, which is my dog. And, yes, he was born on December 25th. I was like, good guess, but uh, that's wrong. Um, What are we we celebrating? We celebrate Jesus' birthday, right? That Jesus was born. The whole world, if we look at it, is on his timeline. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in a couple of different passages this morning. I want to just read through a little bit of the, of the story of Christmas in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And then we're going to jump over to Romans chapter 5, just the first five verses of that. But what I want to talk about this morning is the, the hope that we have in Jesus. And, and through this idea of Jesus coming and us celebrating him being born. So Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, it'll be on the screen for us, tells us a little story. It says, the birth of Jesus came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before that they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. When Joseph woke up, He did as the Lord had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. So we celebrate this season because Emmanuel, Jesus, means God with us. Last week at First Magnitude, Stephen walked a little bit into this idea of Emmanuel and like how we are broken and how, why we needed that. And so the question is this morning for us as well is why is it so important for us for God to be with us. 
Because as the world sits on his time, right, why is this statement, this reality of God with us, something that we should even know about? I remember when Megan and I were first married, we spent many of our first Christmases together as a married couple uh, in East Asia, talking and and speaking with college students at different universities, and we would always kind of go through the holidays of of our, you know, American, you know, year, right? And of course, we were over at Christmas, so we'd celebrate the idea of the Christmas story. And one of the questions we would always ask, and I'm going to date myself because this goes kind of way back, but like the years 2007, 8, 9, and so on, we ask like, why is it the year 2008? Why is it the year 2008? Because so, roughly, right, 2008 years ago, something happened for us to start time in a different way. And we know as believers, as Christians, that that was Jesus. That the truth is that we are broken people who need the Son of God to come to us to live, to die, to rise, so that we may have hope in a Savior. So I don't want you to miss the main idea this morning. As we walk through Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, the main idea for us this morning is God with us means that we have hope to be with God. God with us means we have hope to be with God. We have the opportunity to know Christ, the living Son of God. And that is not possible unless Emmanuel, God, came to be with us. We have no hope out of that. So as a result of that, as as Jesus comes to us, we have access for so much in Christ. And I want to share a little bit of that with you from Romans chapter 5 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, says this. And it will be on the screen behind me. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we boast in the hope, the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that the afflictions produce endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We have so much to be thankful for because of Jesus. We have so much to be thankful for because Emmanuel, God came to be with us. And so as Paul was writing this letter to the Romans, he was writing this so that they would know where their hope of salvation comes from. It comes from nothing else. And he wanted them to know why it was so important. And so as you study through the book of Romans, we can get detailed into this book. All right? You can get into the mind. I mean, you can go verse by verse and go really, really deep. But my goal is for this morning is that we kind of have a 30,000-foot view that really kind of points to our main idea and to show the blessings that receive from it. And so if you look back at verse 1, at the beginning of it, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, as a believer, you have been justified by faith. What does that mean? What does that mean to be justified by faith? Because of our sin... And what happened in the garden way back in Genesis chapter 3, we have been separated from God, right? Adam and Eve was in the garden, the eight of the forbidden fruit. And from that timeline, we were completely separated because of our sin. Because of what happened in Adam and Eve, the whole world was sent into a mass chaos. Everything started to fall apart. Everything. 
We needed Jesus to come and make a way for us to be back with him. That is the hope we have in Jesus. We needed Jesus to come and make a way back for him. Because if you look at the beginning of that uh, verse, it says, therefore. As we always say, what is that therefore? And so if you look back at chapter 4, verses 23 through 35, or 25, it says, now it was accredited to him. It was not written for Abraham alone, but also for us. It will be credited to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. That's why Jesus was sent. That's why Jesus came as a baby boy. Jesus was delivered for us so that we uh, could be justified. He had to come to die. He had to raise from the dead for us to be justified, for our justification. And it all began with a baby boy born one night in a stable and laid in a manger. When we think about that word Emmanuel, does that picture come to our minds? Man, the hope in the baby boy was for, for me. It was for you. Through Jesus, if we put our faith and trust at him, in him, we will be moved from a sense of injustice and sin to a justice of grace that we needed through Jesus so that God will no longer see us in our filthiness and our wretchedness, but God sees Jesus as one and only son. That's what it means to be justified by faith. When we put our faith in him, he will justify us. Paul explains that back earlier in the book of Romans in chapter 3, and it's a well-known passage. And if you have time, I'd encourage you to go back and look at it this, this coming up week. But it's the passage where he says in 23 and 24, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and they are justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus, we have no hope in able to be right with God. We have no hope. That's what the whole story of Christmas is all about. Jesus was sent to be God with us because we had fallen short so that he, we could be justified by him through his grace to be redeemed and to be declared righteous in the sight of God. Jesus' ultimate goal for being sent to us was to save this world. And because of Jesus coming to us, as a baby boy, to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, to raise from the graves, to give us hope. We have some results of that relationship with Jesus that changes our life. And the first of that is being that we have peace with God. Peace with God. If you look back at verse 1, we'll see that. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not... A peace that it's talking about that's a calming peace or where we feel nice and, you know, cozy up to God or kind of like that satisfying peace, all of which are in Scripture that we do feel when we know Jesus. This peace is better thought of when it comes to kind of a, a military thought. And Tim Keller states it this way. He says, until you have salvation with Jesus, you are in a war with God. And as a result of our justification, we have peace with God. A war with God. Do you, do you see that tension, what it means that, okay, through our justification, being justified by our faith, we have peace with God through Jesus. To use Keller's example, when he was explaining this, he talks about kingship, and I think it's the best way to think about it. Because ultimately, what do we all want, right? We want to be king over our lives. 
That is something that I struggle with deeply. I like to have control. Anybody in that sense with me, right? Am I, am I just confessing my own sin up here? That I, I want to be in control. I want to handle all the things. You can ask my wife. When it comes to who's driving on this trip, I'm going to drive, right? Who's going to pay for the meal? I'm going you know, to pay for meal. It drives her nuts, but that, that's who I am. The thing is, we do that with everything in our lives. We want to be in control. Because you know what? We think we know what's best. In our brains, in our hearts, when we make decisions, we know it's best. I'm number one. I can do this. We want to be king. However, there's an issue. Because God wants to be king over our lives. He wants to be king. Because we may think we know what's best, but God does know what's best. So what happens when two kings want control over something? An all-out war, right? That is what's happening in our lives. Before we know Jesus, we are in an all-out war with who is going to be king. But when we are justified by faith, when Jesus changes us, we no longer seek to be king over our lives. We finally understand that God is the one true king and knows exactly what we need, when we need it, and we can give everything over to him and surrender our lives to that. An example I like to show, share with you this morning, Patrick shared a couple weeks ago about walking with lions, and this kind of popped up in my head as I was on those trips with him. But uh, kind of our last days of those, those trips, we got to stay at like a, a sanctuary for lions where they would raise up lions to introduce them back into the wild. That was their whole purpose, right? And a part of that, we got to see a lion feeding, right? They didn't feed us to the lions, but we got to see a, a, lion, a lion feeding, which is like this chain-link fence, which really didn't look like it would hold these lines in. Um, but we would, we would watch it. And so basically what they would do is they would lay a dead animal out on the ground, and they would allow four or five lions out of the cages all at one time, and they would come running down this field and like pounce on this dead animal. It was insane because they are like from here to those chairs from you. But the thing is, the reason why they were doing that is because they were trying to reintroduce these lions to the wild, and they were trying to find the male that was going to be the one true male out of that group. And so what would happen is all these lions would come running on the field, and they would all pounce on it. But the one true male would get on top of this animal, and he would be there, and all these other lions would try to come and get what, what they needed, and he would not let them come in. And it was just an all-out war until they finally realized, hey, He's the one in charge. I've got to back off and let him be in control. It's the same way it is with our lives. God wants to be king over our lives. He wants to be the one who's in control. And we try to jump in there. We try to grab and run when we can. And that's not our job. I encourage you to stop fighting to be king over our lives. Because for each and every one of us, it's something different. So what is it in your life? What is it that you're fighting for control over? If we've been justified, justified by faith, we are not to be king over our lives. We are supposed to hand that over to Jesus. So what are we trying to be control over? It could be everything. It could just be job status. It could just be money. It could just be parenting. It can be just friendships and relationships. It can be anything that we are trying to make our decisions. And if we continually do that, we are going to mess it up every single time. 
So understand that the God who saved you through Jesus, as we're justified by faith, he wants us to have peace with him. No longer fighting. Because Jesus is the only one we truly need. Another result of that, if you keep walking through the verses, is that it says that we have access to grace in the Bible. Access to grace. Verse 2, it says, we have also obtained access through him, which is Jesus, by faith into his grace in which we stand and we we rejoice or boast in the hope of the glory of God. Through Jesus, we've been given access to grace that we cannot get from anywhere else. And that Greek word, access there, means to really be brought near or to be introduced. Really in the sense of someone who has been in higher authority or who has higher status. It would be like us being introduced to like the Queen of England or something. Like, hey, we have been given access, right, to meet the Queen of England. I know she has... No authority whatsoever, right? But somehow she has this high accent. I don't know. Like It's just kind of weird to me still. But this is what it means to be introduced to this way. We've been given the right. What it says, when we've been justified by faith, when he changed our life, we have access to be near Jesus. And all this is because Emmanuel came to be with us. We have been given the right to know him, to have a relationship with him. We've been given the right to be a part of the group, the family of God. Anybody ever play with kids, right, and you're playing around, and all of a sudden they kind of like run into the room, and then they shut the door, and then they have the one person, like the littlest kid, it's always the littlest kid, right, standing at the door, it's like, what's the password? You know, y'all been in that situation before? I always try to come up with like the most absurd like password, like stinky pickles or something like that. I don't know why that just popped into my head, but, but yeah. And they just look at you like, what? And you stand there for forever, and then they finally like, the password's this. You know, oh, okay. You, and you give them the password, right? And guess what? They open up the door, and they let you in. They've, they've given you access to be a part of the, the cool kids, right? The good group. This meaning here, because of us being justified, because of Jesus being with us, because of what he did, he has given access to, for us to be a part of that group. He gives you the right to have a relationship with him. He allows you to be a part of his family. It's the ultimate club, right? We get to know him, have a relationship, walk with him, feel him, and know his direction. One of those times that I've really felt near, have never felt near to to God was on the process of us moving here to Gainesville, Florida. Because at the time when Patrick and I were praying through what the Lord was doing in our lives, I had no idea why Jesus was moving in our hearts to say, hey, leave what you're doing, go get in this church planting residency, learn what's all that about, and then you're going to go to another place to, to plant a church. And trust me, I'm going to do it. You don't see how that's going to work, but I'm going to do it. I was like, no, <laughs> I'm good, right? I fought that. But as we pray, and as Megan and our family prayed, like, I've never felt closer to Jesus than in that moment because I could feel him near. Like, I knew that he'd given me access to him to give me direction. That I had an opportunity to, to stand in that grace, that grace that we need in our lives. When we feel like we have no direction or we feel like we're, we're messing everything up, we know that that grace that it's talking about here, the access to that, to have that relationship, it's there every single day. 
And if we don't feel it, it's probably because of us. It's probably because we're wanting control. It's probably because we want to, to do our own thing, and we're not seeking Jesus in that way. We have access to Jesus. We can call on him for comfort and direction. And guess what? He'll be there every single time. He'll guide and lead and direct. Lastly, it says we have been given, a, we have a satisfying hope. Satisfying hope. It says we have also obtained access, in verse 2, through him, by what we, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not, uh, I'm sorry, my Bible has a different translation of what you're reading on, on the screen, and so I'm trying to make sure I say it right. But we have also obtained access through him uh, by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5 that we can boast in the hope of the glory of God because we have assurance in Jesus. Church, we can rejoice in that. We can boast in this. This is a wanting and desiring of all of God's glory. Have you ever thought about it in a way that when Paul says, like, hey, you have the hope of the glory of God, everything that the Bible tells us, we have hope in that, and we can have boast in what the promises of who Jesus is. We boast in that Jesus came as Emmanuel to provide us this type of relationship, not only just for here and now, but also for eternity. We are supposed to let people know, boast in that. It's boasting in ourselves is wrong, right? Like, hey, look what I've done. I'm king. I do all these things. But Paul tells us that we have every right to boast in who Jesus is and what that means for us. Does the people around us know that? What are we boasting in? Are we boasting in ourselves or are we boasting in Jesus? I hope that every single person around you, if you've been saved by Jesus, you've been justified by faith, that everyone around you knows where your faith and your hope and what you're boasting in, that it's outside of you but in Jesus. If I'm thinking about myself, I'm not sure if that's always the truth. Those are some heart checks for me as I was studying this. I was like, man, does, do, do people know that that's, that's where my hope lies? That's what, that's what I'm boasting in. So what do you think when you hear the word hope? What do you think when you hear the word hope? To hope for us means, I, man, I sure hope I get that job. Man, I sure hope my company gives us a, a Christmas bonus this year. Like, I sure hope that everyone in my family is feels well, right? I, I, we put our hope in, in just, just saying it out there, just throwing it out there. But this word here, this hope here, means, uh, the word in Greek is elpis, and it, it's the Christian word for hope, and it means, and it has a definite meaning. And to quote Keller again, and he, he quotes it and says it this way, he says, this is not a hopeful wish, but it's a hope-filled certainty. Because of Jesus coming as Emmanuel, we can have this type of hope, a hope Field certainty. It's not a what if. What if I've been given peace with God? What if I've been given access to his grace? It's a hope-filled certainty that in verse 5 it puts it this way, that God's love has been poured out into our hearts and we have these things. It is certain. We cannot get it from anywhere else 
anyone else, not our parents, not our spouse, not our kids, not our jobs, not our futures, nothing. We can't boast in anything. The only thing we can boast in is Jesus because he gives us all that we need. We can boast in Jesus' work in our lives even in the midst when everything is falling apart. He even tells us about that starting in verse 3. It says, and not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that the afflictions produces endurance. And endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We have the hope through Jesus because he came. Jesus came to live, to die, and raise from the grave. And when he did that, he's like, I'm not going to leave you, but I'm going to send you a helper in the Holy Spirit to help you live and to have access to me. And when we do those things, it produces endurance. When we feel like we're not going to make it, Jesus is like, I'm there. Draws us through it. He says, and that endurance produces characters like, no, I'm going to boast in Jesus because I know he's there. I know he hasn't left me. I know he's near. And then that character produces more hope because he's like, okay, now I can look back at my life. And even now for me, looking back at when Jesus moved us to Gainesville, know that, no, he provided then, he has led me to this place. So guess what? He's going to guide and lead me here in the future. That's what we get because of Jesus being with us. That's what we get by being justified by him and knowing him as our, our, our Lord and Savior. I love Paul's words here when it talks about this. He says, um, we can know through our affliction that he produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us. This hope will not disappoint us. We will never be disappointed in how Jesus works in our lives. When Jesus came to be God with us, all that happened was not expected. The world had, would, have, would have not chosen for their Savior to come the way that Jesus did. They would have not chosen the route that Jesus went to save his people. However, it was surely not a disappointment. The hope that we have in Jesus is far from that. It is a hope-filled certainty that he came to us to be able to justify us because of what he has done. Church, Jesus came as Emmanuel to be God with us so that we can have hope to be with him. We don't ever have to think or worry about if we are going to be separated from God for eternity. That does never have, doesn't ever have to cross our minds. Romans chapter 5 says, because Jesus has come, he came to deliver us from our trespasses in chapter 4 and into chapter 5, deliver us from our trespasses and raise for our justification that we may be justified by our faith. A guy I used to serve with used to ask a very, very simple question when we were out and about at a restaurant or just doing things, and, and he just loved sharing the gospel, sharing the hope of Jesus. And he would ask a very simple question to people, and he says, do you feel near or far from God? Wow. What a question. Do you feel near or far from God? How would you answer that question this morning? Because the answer to that question holds so much meaning 
for where we are in our lives. How I answer that question has ramifications of where I'm at in my spiritual walk with Jesus. It will actually show me, do I even know Jesus at all? Emmanuel, Jesus, came to earth to be near to us so that we can be near to him. To have a relationship with him. Do you have that? Do you have that? Do you have that hope-filled certainty that you know Jesus? The reason why we celebrate Jesus uh, this Christmas is because of him, Jesus. If you don't, you can. It's a hope that we have already talked about this morning, and it is certain. We can go through this time of year knowing exactly what it's for, that Jesus is being born or was born, and he was born uh, to, to declare who he was. Christmas is not just about a baby being born, to, about celebrating the coming of a baby. Christmas is about celebrating the coming of a Savior. A Savior you and I so desperately need. I hope, I hope that you understand that this morning. That we just don't go through this holiday season, this time of Christmas, which are all great things to be around, just the, the festive time of year, but you actually truly know the hope that is found in Jesus, that he gives us peace, he gives us a relationship, he gives us a hope-filled certainty that he will never leave us nor forsake us. I pray that that is evident in your life and that people know. We're going to worship some more, but I'm going to pray for us. And I pray that as we just continue to sing, that these words would just sink in our heart. And we would just ask that question. I would ask you that question. Do you feel near or far from God this morning? And why? Do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? And if you're not near to him in that relationship, like what is causing you? Are you, are you wanting to be in control? Are you not wanting to hand stuff over to Christ? Or you may not know him at all. And it, it's a perfect time to meet. There will be people up here ready to pray with you. And, and you can just walk through what that may mean for your life. Like I've never trusted in Jesus. I need him to be king over my life. And I hope that that would be something that we would think about this morning. So let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we can't thank you enough have this certainty to know that as you came as Emmanuel, God to be with us, that we have a hope in you that doesn't cease, that it's certain through that we can be saved by you, we can be brought near to you, that we're no longer separated because of our sin, because of what you've done on the cross, and, and then we can know the peace of not fighting against what you would have for our lives, and we, could, we can have access to, uh, to the grace and that relationship to walk daily, to have direction, to have guidance, and have leadership in our lives, and to know that it's all certain through the hope because of the glory of God for you being sent for us. I pray that there's not a person in this room that doesn't know that purpose for their life. That Jesus came so that we might be saved. That we may live for him, know him here, share that hope with other people, and that one day we'll get to spend eternity with him. I pray that that is made known through our lives as we step into this time of year. 
Lord, we love you. We can't thank you enough for who you are. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.